welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. It's great. It's a great be. It's lovely to be in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? I do want to say something about um, the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth this week because, um, I, I, you know, I, um, I think we, we cannot underestimate uh, the impact that she had on our country. Uh, she was a believer. She loved Jesus in amongst everything else. I had this uh, thought this week as I was, uh, I was thinking, What's a, I wonder what it's like to be a queen and uh, a monarch and then go to heaven, right? <laughs> Didn't everyone think that, right? No, it's like, that must be a real head melter. Let's be honest. Kind of going, hold on a second. Um, I, I undoubtedly, I, I, I don't have any doubt that she had a personal relationship with Jesus. And I think that one of the things about authority anywhere, God-given authority, is that it flows from the top down. And sometimes we don't understand the dynamic of that spiritually. But I think that in our country, there is absolutely no doubt, week in, week out, over seven decades of her speaking to our leaders, encouraging our leaders. If you've listened to prime ministers who this week have said what their audiences were like you know, with, with her, how she would advise them and speak into their, speak into their lives, actually. And at times just encourage them that these things too shall pass, you know, and, and all sorts of different stuff. And, uh, but I had, this, I had this kind of thought this week of going, you know, there was a, glee, there was a playfulness and a, a sort of a gleefulness with her as well. And uh, I, I just, you know, I had this moment of thinking, I bet you when she got into the presence of Jesus on Thursday, she was just kind of wide-eyed in wonder. And uh, like a, almost a weight off her shoulders, now she's standing forever in the presence of her king. And, uh, and that's what we all hope for, isn't it? And so uh, I, I, am, I, am, I, I didn't want to start this morning because I think it's important that we remember. I think it's important that we mark uh, and say, thank you, God, that, you know, if you want to look at, you know, I don't care what you think about the monarchy, quite frankly, keep your opinion to yourself because it's not a time for it. But one thing is for sure, look around the world and see what happens because God ordained government and headship that's God's idea. And have a look what happens when it's not there. We had a very peaceful transition on Thursday from one head of state to the next. In other places in the world, Christians are terrified because what happens when one thing changes another can mean bloodshed and everything else. But we thank God we live in a country where when there's a transition of, of power and, and, and like that, that here we are doing what we do, right? And so uh, can we pray for them this morning? I think it's important. Let's stand to your feet, actually, because there's something. I, I, just, I just had this sense on, on me, uh, you know, from Thursday to go, we need to pray for those in authority, and we need to pray. Uh, Charles is interested, and the king mentioned that he, about his own faith, there was a whole, I don't know if you follow this, there was a debate around being the defender of the faith. That's the Anglican faith, the Church of England. And he said on Thursday, he said, look, I, I, I will be the defender of the faith because that is where my own faith is deeply rooted. And it struck me in the middle of everything else. And I just felt, you know, who knows? You know, we don't know what's in the hearts of men, right? The Lord knows. But one thing I do know is that his mom probably had a ton of conversations with him over the last 70 years or whatever around her faith and what it meant to her because she was public about that. And so, Father, we pray this morning for, uh, for King Charles. We pray for the family this morning. Standing in this place, Lord, we speak your blessing and your favor and your grace on them. Lord, just as human beings, will you comfort them as they mourn? Father, for all of them, Lord, as they mourn the loss of, 
of their mum and their granny and their great granny. I pray this morning like anybody else that we would, we would pray for. Father, we pray that there would be a supernatural sense of your peace and your strength on them as a family this morning. Father, we pray for the king. We pray, Lord, that you know, we believe that you're the one who sets in place. That's what your word says. You're the kingmaker, actually, nobody else. And Father, we, we pray for him this morning. We pray that in his heart that he would draw closer to you than what he's ever done, that he would find strength and comfort from a relationship with you, Lord. And we pray that over him this morning, that he would lead and that he would guide, that he would have wisdom, Father, given to him like supernaturally by you, Father. Whatever The world won't understand it and the world can't see it. Uh, but Father, we know what happens when we pray and we speak blessing over those who lead. And so, Father, we thank you that, uh, you know, we have experienced peace this week, uh, transition. Lord, we live, you know, if it ever reminds us for all the stuff that is wrong, we live in a place where we are so blessed. We get to practice our faith. We get to stand here with our hands in the air, unafraid of anything else, Lord, you know, because we live in a place where there is freedom provided. Lord, and Jesus, so we thank you for that. And we pray that in these days and weeks to come, Lord, that for many other people, as um, people remember Her Majesty the Queen and they, they remember her life, Father, that one of the things that would come out time and time again would be that she was a woman of faith who loved Jesus. And Father, we know that she's rejoicing with you this morning. Lucky her. And uh, we pray, Father, that in these days and weeks to come, Lord, as people mourn and people remember, Father, that they would see you in the middle of it all. And all God's people said, amen. Take your seats, okay? So continue to pray. I, I, I think uh, it's, it's important to do that. Now, are we ready to go? Okay, brilliant. And uh, so if you're, if you're uh, watching online, if you're a visitor, good for you. Well done. Thank you for joining us. Try and get into church. It's really good. If you're a visitor and you're in church, you're super welcome. Hello. It's great to see you. And uh, for the rest of you, get your Bibles out and let's get into the Word because we've got a cracker this morning. And uh, I, I want to start, I, I was reading, if, if, for those Bible scholars amongst you, you'll have noticed that over the last few weeks, uh, I, I have been picking out uh, stuff from the book of Romans. Now, we're a church that is all about the grace of God, the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God, his grace, because the word gospel uh, is interchanged all the time in the, in the New Testament with grace, right? And grace and gospel, the, the words are interchanged. And um, the, Paul's masterpiece of grace is the book of Romans. So I've been drawing from that, trying to encourage us that whenever the Lord works in your life, he works on two tracks. He's, you know, and, and, there's, and they're not, I'm going to say, are they equally weighted? The, the most important thing that we can do in our lives is to receive from Jesus. Do you know that? What did he call you? He, he called you to come to him so that you can receive from him before anything else. I mean, anything else. Do you get that? To sit at his feet and to receive his grace in your life. And that is the start, the middle, and the end. Now, the fruit of that is it looks like something. And the fruit of that, if you, you know, oh, but I just want to be more like Jesus, you know, all that stuff, just make me more like Jesus. And, uh, you know, well, some of you go, ah, you know, it's like, oh, I just would love to be more like Jesus. You know, all that stuff, right? Uh, it's like, we don't, we don't get the order of things wrong. What we do is we sit at his feet and we receive grace upon grace, his unmerited favor and his love for us. But it brings about fruit in us. And part of that fruit is that we have a heart and a love for other people. You know, it's like, it's not... Um, if, if something makes you more selfish and makes you think more about you when the whole point of it was about everybody else, you maybe need to have a wee look at that. Can I just, here's a wee Andrew's helpful hint for this morning. Yeah, I might want to have a wee look at that, all right? 
And uh, because one of the things, that, that's what the disciples did. I remember I said this a few weeks ago. One of the things the disciples did when they first encountered, like God actually moving in power was like, this is flipping brilliant. Let's just keep Jesus and we'll put him in a wee box under the stairs. And every time we need a wee blessing, we'll bring him out and he can heal a few people. And we'll go, whoa, it's not brilliant. Bless me too, Lord. Bless me, bless me, bless me. And Jesus said, no, 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 I didn't come for that, right? It's like, it's like the same thing, like all of us are sitting here today because at some point in our lives, somebody who had encountered Jesus before us told us about him, didn't they? Like, you didn't come down the lagging in a bubble. You weren't born saved. Do you get that? Somebody made the decision at some point to tell you about the one who gave it all for you. That's the point. And we have to remember that. There are people today, good people out there. You know what I mean? They're not bad people, horrible people. Oh, it's the world. All right, they're doing their best. Let's not be hard on people. But the only thing they're missing is Jesus. And I, I, I just hope that as grace goes into our lives, as grace captures our heart, as we sit at his feet to receive grace every week in this place, that our heart for others is growing alongside it. That, you know, like as Adam is telling the story, that guy there, you know, it's not a, that's a great story. Clearly, there's, that's a bit, been a bit of a messy one in that fella's life. But there he is walking up the cave hill with a church leader being prayed for by somebody out of our church, you know? Because when Jesus touches you, you're changed forever. It's not, it's not good. And so listen to me this morning because I'm going to talk to you. This is a great word. It, it should remind you of why. Um, I'm going to talk about fear this morning because we've been talking about this whole thing of going into the world and, and you know, and, and sharing, sharing our faith. But I think the more that you're ministered to yourself, that becomes easier. But don't just receive the ministry and then go, thanks very much. We'll leave them to their own devices. You know, actually, if I can encourage you in Romans 8, verse 1, they will know where this starts. Therefore, now there is no condemnation. You get that? So it's really important that we start with this. Um, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you break that down into the original language, it's absolutely brilliant. Therefore is the word like, under these circumstances, because actually what Paul has done in Romans 1 to 7, he's, he's, he's outlined like your, your, the problem with sin, the problem with law. Uh, law doesn't bring you anything. You're freed by grace. Uh, then why do you do all this stuff that you don't really want to do, all that kind of stuff? And then in Romans 1, he goes like, in light of all this, immediately, now the word immediately is none, he goes, immediately from this point, there is no, and that word is, is this word odeus, it's this, like, it's a conjunction of lots of different words, but it, 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 it means ruling out by definition. What it means is if you know Jesus today, if you have given your life to him at any point in your, in your puff, right, in your life, right, by definition, ruled out is it's almost like shutting the door and having no exceptions, right? There is absolutely no way that you can be condemned. Isn't that brilliant? Oh, that's brilliant. That's better than good. By definition, if I am, believe, if I am a believer in Jesus, I never stand condemned. But what about I do this? What about I think this? What about all the rest of it? By definition, the Lord says, I have shut the door on condemnation in your life. What that means is condemnation, catacrima, is, is not just that I feel sort of bad. It's that deep down belief that there, I'm going to be punished for what I do. Not for the, the, the nicey-nicies that you'll do today, quite frankly, as you walk around going, hello, marvelous, don't we love Jesus? It's the stuff that nobody else sees when you're, you're somewhere down the road on a Tuesday night when no one else is looking. That's the stuff that we live with. We, 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 we're brilliant at putting our A roll out for everyone, but we live with the B roll, don't we? 
the stuff that nobody else sees. And it's in those moments where we need to know that when the Lord talks about Romans 8, uh, when he's talking to you, he goes, by definition, even in that stuff, you're, I'll not punish you. Now, you might be, you might, like, you kick up the circumstances in your life, you're going to walk through them, but it's not me punishing you. It's just you being stupid, right? And when you're stupid, stupid stuff happens. You hear me? Don't blame the Lord when you do something stupid. Don't, I mean, that's just the height of stupidness, isn't it? There's lots of stupids in there. Do you know why that is? I've run out of words already. Help him, Jesus. He's only getting, can I have some water, please? Yeah, I've only getting started and I'm flipping, I've run out of words. And so what I want to say to you this morning is, like, let, let's, not, let's not at the start, when we start to look at this thing of fear, there's a great story in Luke 8 we're going to look at, is that don't feel condemned when you go, but I, I sometimes I do feel fearful. And I feel, I feel, you know, when I feel fearful, I'm, you know, it's because I'm just not good enough. I don't have enough faith for stuff and all the rest of it. It's not that. By definition, you stand perfected forever in this moment, okay? Take a big breath and go, thank you, Jesus. Now I can receive. Because you're not judging me. You're not punishing me. You're not looking at whatever happened this week and going, oh, for goodness sake, you numpy, right? You haven't run out of patience. You don't treat me. I mean, from everlasting to everlasting, it even says this under the covenant of law, you don't treat me as my sins deserve. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Right? Isn't that, isn't that good news? <laughs> That's, well, I'm not really sure, to be fair. Okay. So let, let's, let's talk about fear. Because one of, one of the things that I, I think is really interesting is that if there is a climate of anything, if the spirit, like why do, why do we love Jesus and why do we love his gospel? Because it's the antidote to whatever you're facing. I've said it many times before from this pulpit. Whatever your question is, thank you, sweetie. Whatever your question is, the answer is Jesus, right? And fear is a biggie. I can only start to speak into it. I want to give you some insight so that you understand what goes on in yourself and then shows you what happens when grace collides with your fear, okay? What does that look like? Because if I ask you to describe fear, lots of people will come up with lots of different answers, wouldn't you? You know, um, well, fear is... It could be anything. Like, it's a universal condition, though. Everyone knows what it feels like to be afraid, don't we? Okay, unless you're a psycho, right? <laughs> or a sociopath, and you're going, oh, not really, no. Now, for some people, it can be quite silly. You know, so for, like, for, for me, I, I, you know, my wife doesn't like spiders. That's a universal one, arachnophobia. I just go wise up, all right? I pick them up and run around and chase the girls with them. Daddy, don't do that. It's massive. It's got teeth like that. And I go, seriously, this thing here. The only thing is at times, right, at this time of the year, you have to, you have to be careful, don't you? Because you go, oh, don't be so stupid. Where is it? Then you go, oh, flipping Nora. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a wee bit bigger than what I was expecting. But let me just scoop that sucker up and uh, take it into the garden. <laughs> Did I wake up in Africa this morning? What is this thing? right? Um, like for me, heights is a biggie. I remember going to the, uh, the Eiffel Tower. I remember that one. I remember that one because I dumped my girlfriend there. How bad was that at the time? Ooh. Just got just full confession, all right? She thought there was something else going to happen. Here we are in Paris in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, that was a real moment. But anyway, the other one was the Empire, not Penny, okay? Oh, the Empire State Building. I went to the Empire State Building with Penny. She walked straight out. Well, look at this. I literally got out. Crowds of Japanese tourists with massive cameras, all that stuff. And I literally put my back onto the, onto the side. Now, the, the edge is about that far to where my mother's sitting there. And 
there's like there's a cage, like you can't jump or anything. But I didn't. I started sweating like that, going, "We're all gonna die," because you can feel it move. You want to be freaked out? Go to the top of a skyscraper in New York, and it, it's not steady. It goes like that. I'm gonna book. Oh, the feel. There's kids just walking around, going, "You big? What's wrong with that big Jesse there? Where's he from? You know?" I think that's what they're saying. They were Japanese. I couldn't quite work it out, but they were pointing. Go and look at the state of your man as I'm sitting there praying in tongues. Shut up, shut up. All right. Penny ignored me because she was so embarrassed. Went out my eyes, was standing all alone. She'd just gone down the elevator and left me alone. Elevator, lift, right? So, look, so, so on one end of the, one end of the scheme, scale, we go, ah, it's not a big deal. So what, what's the problem? Then the other side is we go, it can be absolutely destructive. It can destroy our lives. And, you know, it, and why? It's because fear is anti the spirit of Christ in us. It's anti the Holy Spirit. And fear will actually rob us of our experience and opportunity of the power of God. So let, let, let me just be, can I just describe exactly what we're talking about so you know how grace can minister into it? When I say fear, what are we actually talking about? Well, fear is basically a distressing negative emotion. And it only comes up when there is, a, now this is really important, when there is a perceived threat that stands against us. You don't feel free, afraid when there's no threat, all right? It's a basic survival mechanism. Actually, God put it in us, the ability to stay safe. Do you get that? Safety is part and parcel of our relationship with God. When we're with the Lord, you know, back in the day when Adam was walking in the, in, 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 in the cool of the, the day in the garden with the Lord before sin, that there was no fear because he was in the presence of God. And so that's the way that we're built. And that's going to be really important when I start to explain things a little bit later on. So fear is like this ability to recognize danger. And it leads us to this place where we've got to either, you know, you might have heard this before, you've got to fight it or you've got to run from it. Okay, that thing of fight or, fight or flight. But we, we have to confront it. Now, what's the difference between anxiety? Well, anxiety is different in that it typically occurs when there's no immediate or certain threat. That's just a feeling that happens. But, but fear is like there's something going on and I have to confront it. And, and so we have this negative emotion that comes up as a result. Now, it doesn't, it, what I would say is it's normally based in the future, right? F fear's normally about something that's gonna happen tomorrow. A situ for example, my health may get worse. A situation may happen where I'm not as, uh, you know, uh, you know well, yeah, will I get sick? My dad was sick, my aunt was sick, this runs in our family, that kind of stuff, right? And so there's that part of it. Sometimes it's frequently, you know, about things staying the same. Is this the way that it's going to be? You might have situations now that you're afraid will actually be the same. They're never going to change. My family won't change. My son won't change. Whatever it happens to be, right? Or things that just are unacceptable to you. It can also fear that this negative sensation, this emotion, can also be a reaction to something that's presently happening, you're in the situation right now. But whatever it is, do you, do you understand that? Whatever it is, though, it has the ability to cripple you and to grip, grip your life in a way like nothing else. Now, do you know what's really interesting? Psychologists tell us that we're only ever born with two fears, right? We're, so as babies, like we newborns, they only have two fears. The fear of, this always makes me laugh, fear of falling and loud noises. Does that not beg the most obvious question? How the heck do they know that? Is there a lab somewhere, right? With white coats where they're 
dangling newborns out of windows going, oh, they definitely scream. Look at that. Don't like that. You know what I mean? Going, oh, they didn't jump at that. Nick, nick that one off the list. But they definitely don't like the out the window dangly thing, right? How, how, did, how did they, do you, does anyone else go? I read that and I go, how do you know that? What, anyway, what experiments did you do to figure out that it's only like, falling and loud noises? We know that with Ben. When he was 12 weeks old, we were going to South Africa and we were ready to get on the plane. It was a British Airways flight. And there was this um, massive siren went off, right? In the, uh, the thingy that you walked on to go onto the plane. And Ben squealed and squealed. He was only 12 weeks. Ever since then, he really doesn't like really loud noises. It's really interesting. He'd be like, no, no, I don't like that. And, and when he was younger than what he is now, he would have been afraid of, of loud noises, almost like hyperacoustic with it. And I, I remember, you know, they were going, that's the root of it. It was that, that moment where it terrified, he was deep in sleep in this alarm. It hurt our ears, never mind a 12-week-old baby. But do you know what that means? Every other negative emotion, negative sensation that you and I feel every single day of our lives, right? Things that we associate with pain or danger, right? Every single one of those has been developed from our experience and we have been programmed by them. That's why we need grace to free us from them. And in the world out there, my goodness, people are literally dying for this. How can you say some, you can live free from fear? The whole narrative of the world today is to control people through fear. Monkey pox, donkey pox, don't know, sheep pox, you name it. They're, they're already thinking them up right now. Do you know that? You're going to need a jab for this and you're going to need this. I mean, listen, I've, I've got all my jabs. So don't be coming going like you're one of the weirdos. No, we're fully boosted up. I have no problem with it. If you're not, knock yourself out. That was my choice. Primarily to go on holiday, to be fair. All right? I thought, you shoot anything into my system if I can get three weeks of sun on my back. Go for it. All right? Get me out of Belfast. You know what I mean? Some people go, oh, that's because of some revelation from Jesus. No, it's because I wanted to go to the beach. All right? That's why I took it. Anyway, if you didn't take it, knock yourself out. All right? Here's what I say. The Lord's quite clear. You can put anything into your body and it won't harm you. Why? If you're facing the faith's in the Lord. Anyway, I'll digress. But what's interesting is all other fears have developed from events which we associated with pain or danger. And so what that means is then when we look forward, we have the same distress and negative emotion or the same fear that grips us. Because that's how our past programs our future. That's why the Lord keeps saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yesterday is gone. Look, you know, I've dealt with that and now you can have faith for your future. But what's really interesting physically, like I said, back in the day, Adam and and you know, we're, you know you're not designed for fear physically. We, you're, it's actually not meant to be part of our physical system. It's not how God originally designed us. You see, what happens is essentially, you know, I don't know what it's like for you, but there's, if I explained it just very quickly, there's loads of hormones, particularly cortisol, bumps around your system whenever you're, you're confronted with, with a threat. And it's not a, sometimes it's not even a real threat. You see, your brain doesn't distinguish between real threat and imagined threat. If right now a guy was walking around the back of the church, don't look around because he's there now and he's got a hatchet and he's going to smack somebody over the head with a hatchet, that's a real threat. We would all do really good to get up and get out of here, right? Ah, all right. But that's, that's your, your, so your brain responds that way. But if you think about this winter and go, can I pay my bills? Or is my job going to be all right? We have the same physical response in us. It's not somebody with a hatchet ready to do us harm, but emotionally, 
It's a, it's a threat. And our, actually, the way the Lord designed it is our brain doesn't distinguish between the two. That's why we can be gripped by things which are in the future and have never happened because we perceive it as real. Does that make sense? And so your body responds, doesn't it? You get difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous, energy, kind of rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweaty, trembling, twitching, needing to run to the loo, anyone? This is just me before I come to church on a Sunday morning, right? <laughs> you think I'm joking? Try and pastor for a fortnight and then you'll know what it's like. And so what happens is when there's all this excessive stuff going around in our, in our blood, it's not used for physical stuff, then they, all these hormones can have real dire physical effects. Blood pressure, heart, you know, it suppresses our immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, memory loss, coronary artery disease, heart attacks, right? You know, in severe cases when there's excessive worrying and fear, high anxiety, go untreated, it can lead to depression and suicide, right? We were never built for it. Our bodies don't know how to cope when we live afraid. That's what I'm trying to say. Why? Because God never wanted us to live in fear. It was not part of his original design. It's part of the fall. Now, what we need to, I need to explain, is this okay? Because I need to explain before then you see how incredible grace is. Because what happens when the grace of God, when the love of Jesus collides with that in our lives? How can we go to the word today and go to what Jesus says and walk out of here with more hope than what we arrived in with? Because if I, I, I don't get, unless, unless you are literally living on another planet, every single one of us, it doesn't make you weak to say that I'm afraid of something. It makes you human. Do you get that? There is no condemnation. You do not be, get punished by God because you're afraid. Even though he reminds us a thousand times, you know, it, it feels like every time you open the Bible, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And we still feel afraid. There's no condemnation when you do. You just come again to the Lord and say, let me receive. But what happens when grace collides? I, I love this. Can we share? Shall we turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 22? Great story, you all know it. One day, one day, one day, <laughs> one day. That's back to normal. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, a lot of wind, and so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him. I love the fact that Jesus is just fully having a doze in the middle of all this, right? Saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. We're doomed. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith, he asked the disciples. In, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let, let's just, can we get under the, under the skin of this story just a little bit? Because it's really good for when you feel afraid. It's a brilliant story. And this week, you're going to feel afraid about something. You might be feeling afraid that the situation's never going to change. You might be feeling afraid about your money. You might be feeling afraid about your health. You might be feeling afraid about your future. I don't care what it is. We all, for you, it's going to be personal. And what, what we're going to find is this, is that there are going to be situations that we've got to walk through that will be storms, right? There, there are going to be situations that whenever Jesus came, he didn't say, he said that on the other side, when we get to glory, when we get to heaven to be with him forever, there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more sickness. But he didn't say that that wouldn't happen here. 
And, but have a look at this, because the disciples in this story were not exempted from the storm. Jesus didn't remove the storm at the start. He was with them in the storm. That's the lesson. You draw your grace out from the middle of the storm. That's what true peace looks like. Now, what happens here is like, you know, I have to remind myself at times, you know, I have the promise of God, I have the call of God, and my future is safe and secure, but I live in a world that is full of challenges. And there's absolutely no doubt about it. That is the truth. There are health challenges, family, jobs, work, money, a huge amount of opportunity for us that, for stuff to, to, to come in and to rob us of that peace that God wants us to have. So what's interesting is the disciples get into the boat. Now let's stop and go, why did they get into the boat? They had made an estimation. Now look at the way they behave when the challenge comes. They freak out. So wh why did they get into the boat at the first time? If they, because they had made an estimation, and we do it every day. Their estimation was that, uh, their confidence, if you like, they've got confidence in two things. Number one, they're fishermen, so they know how to drive a boat. So in the natural, they were going, okay, and uh, so this is fine. So they've got confidence in themselves to deal with whatever comes up, and they understood the mechanism that they would have to use, the boat. So they've got skill, and they know how to use what's in front of them. That's what gave them confidence at the start, right? They go, well, I'm clever, I'm smart, I've been in a boat a million times, I know how to handle it, right? They used these things day and daily, so they were very comfortable with their own ability to make it happen. Let's get to the other side. Does that make sense? So now what happens here is the weather must have been okay when they set out, because um, unlike my experience of boating on Loch Erne with Penny, right, I realize I'm on really dodgy ground. For those of you who don't know, one of Penny's fears is not so much boating, but boating with me, her husband, <laughs> because I, have no, I love it. Jesus is going to give me a boat one day. You know what? And all of you are going to laugh as I do church from Loch Erne, right? <laughs> but they, they must, it must have been all right. You know what? It must have been, right, let's go for it. Right, because they probably wouldn't have set up. So they have this confidence in their own ability and the boat, they have some confidence in that and they fall on years of experience. This ain't my first rodeo, I've been here before. Now what happens is between, from that place, that's like you and me, how many of us get up off a day in the morning and go, I'm pretty smart, I'm pretty resourceful, I've got some money in the bank, I know what I'm doing, Right? The general climate conditions around me are not too bad. I'm going to be A-OK. -okay. And how many of us live our lives like that? Isn't that the truth? Like we're not really dependent on God because there's not, there's, there might be some wind blowing, but it's not really blowing our boat over, let's be honest. Anybody? But we've got to learn how to live and deal with the fear because it might not be in this situation, but it's the same response and it will be different for you in something else. Because the storm comes up. Now, this was a bad one. How do we know it was a really bad one and not just a bit like Penny, where there was a wee gust of wind and she was freaking out, quite frankly, right? How do we know that? How do we know that this was like a proper holy smokes moment, right? Because they knew the difference. Because the experienced fishermen knew that this was not the same kind of storm. They were not going to be able to ride this one out, right? There was no chance of it. I knew that day as we headed towards Lusty Beg, right? with our May Wests on, even the dog, hurtling across Upper Loch Earn or Lower Loch Earn, across the widest bit, which is really unwise probably. I knew, I could see Lusty Beg. I knew that we were going to get there, right? They couldn't see it, but I could, right? 
I was a bit like Jesus in this story. I'm only joking. <laughs> but what was, really, what was really interesting was, here's, there, there's, this is what happens. There comes a point for all of us, right? They, where, where, where something's gonna, something, there's something in your life that doesn't matter what you've done before, what money you have, what experience you have, we face things where it's not enough. And that's where fear happens, okay? That's where the fear comes from. What's gonna happen now? So by the time they get to Jesus, they're in a really bad way, aren't they? They're convinced that they're gonna die, right? I imagine before they got to Jesus, they probably would have tried everything they know. Let's put the sails up, let's put the sails down, let's row, let's do this. They get to the end of it and they go, we're doomed, you better wake him up. Now, where, where does grace, so, so what happens is, because we kind of read this story and kind of go, oh, it's set out, set out. they, they kind of knew what they were doing. Now, where does grace sit in in this story? Where does it fit in in this story? What do we learn from it? We learn this. Now, listen to me carefully here. Fear arises whenever our source of security is not enough to sustain us. Let me say that again. Fear arises whenever our source of security is not enough to sustain us. The disciples were confronted with everything that they had, everything that they knew, everything that they knew to do was not enough. What is it in your life that you face and you go, I'm not enough? Because none of us, quite frankly, will know, see, for our jobs, I don't want to be, it's not a nice area, but you don't know what's going to happen 12 months from now. It's nothing to be afraid of, but you just don't know. I've got years of experience doing this. I've got this, that, and the other. Like, if you look at the way the world has changed in the last number of years, there's stuff that's happened that we, none of us could have fathomed. Now, I don't freak out with that. I kind of go, thank God Jesus stands above it all. Right? We're, not in, we're in the world, but we're not off it. The Lord's not stuck by any economy. The Lord sits over it. The Lord's never surprised with a dip in a share price or a, a movement in an interest rate. He's like, what? I'm above it all. But for, for some of us, you know, we, we've got to be, you know, let's not be, you know, people who go, I love God's grace. I just love it. But actually, my experience, my boat, I know what I'm doing. Because you're always going to be confronted by something where that's never enough. And that's the point. The gap between what you think you have and what you're facing is the gap where fear lives. Does that make sense? Now, I, I love, what a message we have for people because most people today, even in the church, are living in that place, are living in that place of we are facing things and looking at things, but we have no ability to, to bridge the gap between where we are and what that looks like. And so look at, the, look at mental health stuff today. Look at people, suicide rates in Northern Ireland, particularly amongst younger men, who are clearly looking into their lives, into their futures and going, you know, from a place of complete despair and hopelessness, what I have is not enough to even to sustain me through this next week. And we're sitting here with the God who in the storm goes, I'm more than enough. Do you get that? So powerful. And so what happens here is like for them, it's the wooden boat, isn't it? But what is it in our life? You know, what are the things that we actually are relying on? Is it stuff, people, what they think, whatever it happens to be? Because the level of fear that you live with is the directly proportional to the revelation of God's grace that you have in your life. I believe that. Because well, how do I know that? Well, it says that light can't live with darkness. So the more we understand and have a revelation in our hearts 
Okay, it probably is, it works on a, you know, light and darkness can't coexist, the word tells us. So if we're living with lots of fear in our lives, can I, can I encourage you this morning? Remember, no condemnation. But what you need is to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive his love and his grace for you. He's not condemning you for it. He's not putting his finger on you, but it's just showing you the extent of your fear shows you the, the lack of the revelation of how God really loves you in that area and what his promise is in that area for you. Am I making sense? How am I doing so far this morning? Is this okay? Yeah, okay. Because this is, this is a biggie, you know, and I think what happens is, you know, we live in fear because we process our situations, our, our, our present, our futures, and what we're actually processing through is not the promise of Jesus and his grace, but it's through the lens of what I have, who am I, what have I done, and what have I have at my disposal? You know, what do I have? What will I do? Who do I know? And whenever those options feel like they're shaky or they're not enough, fear rises in our hearts. Now, what happens? I, I love this. They come to an end of themselves. Remember we talked about this last week? I don't know about you. Penny came to an end of herself that day as we hurtled across at five miles an hour. Should have got... I, can I just say, I don't have this revelation. Tell the truth, okay? So, um... <laughs> The implication is there that none of this has been the truth. There was a bigger boat that we could have got with a bigger engine. And uh, all I'm saying is we didn't get that boat. But it, wasn't, but it wasn't my choice. In fact, Penny was on a call this week, a business call. And um, there was a woman on the call. And part, part of the things she does in her, in her spare time is teach people how to drive boats. Pilot boats, rather. And Penny happened to say, I'm going to just fest this one up. Penny happened to say, oh, we were in Loch Erne. She went, oh, really, in Loch Erne? And Andrew took us from Castle Archdale to Lusty Bag, or Busty Leg, as I like to call it. Think about that. And um, she went, are you mad? She said to Penny, that's the most dangerous bit of the whole thing. <laughs> so Penny was telling me this story, and I was going, oh, shut up. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> she only, like, teaches people how to do it. I was like, woman's clearly half crazy, for goodness sake, right? Right, son. We were fine. <laughs> So what happens is the disciples come to an end of themselves because they've got no other option. Uh, we can learn so much. Do you know what we can learn from the disciples? Get to an end of yourself quicker. The worst time, can I just say this? The very worst, although God is good and God is faithful, but you don't want to wait until the waves are crashing over your head before you turn to Jesus. Do you get that? You want the assurance in your heart before you get into the flipping boat that you're going to get to the other side. Do you get that? Many of us live in crisis mode. I have this expression that I use when I talk to business people about incubating crisis, right? We incubate crisis. What that means is we live with this stuff, these patterns, and all we're doing is we're incubating crisis for some point when we shouldn't be doing that. I mean, if we can learn anything from the disciples, we see whenever the waves are crashing over and they think they're dead, they literally were in fear of their very life and the boat's going down. I think fair play, they had the Lord there with them and we have him with us always. But I would much rather not have had to go through that. Anyone? Okay, it's, the, it's the worst time to do it, folks. It, you don't buy into the lie when everything seems to be going well in the future that you can coast. Those are the times that really invest and draw from the Lord. Do you get that? Don't just draw on the Lord when, when your back's against the wall because that's not relationship, that's you using him, okay? What you do is you go, if everything's, if you've got fair winds at your back right now, fantastic, but get it because it's not about fair, it's not about that outside, it's about that place of dependency and trust. Do you understand that? Don't leave it until 
until, until things are breaking down. It's every day. And what the Lord invests in you today, you will draw on tomorrow. Do you get that? Because he's always, he's good to lead us back miraculously out of the dysfunction. But what he wants to do is lead us in blessing by building us up before we even get there in the first place. Amen? Okay, so flip, I better go quick because I've got some good stuff to say here. So it's a great place to be. They have no other options, so they're absolutely in trouble, right? And, but grace, uh, what, I, what I said last week, remember, you get to the end of yourself and there's an amazing amount of grace can flow because when there's an absence of self and there's a lot of Jesus, then something happens. That's what Ephesians 3 tells us. I'm gonna move quickly though. So let, let me just say this. The way to live fear, free from fear, is to stop taking responsibility for something that was never ours in the first place. Can I, t- can I say that again? If it's true that we look at something and the negative emotion is, I'm not enough, I can't do this, it's not in me, right? What, we, what do we need to learn from the disciples? Not just to wait until the waves are crashing over before you jump in and say, oh, Jesus, save me, right? He will, he's good that way. But you know, part of the growing up in faith is to go, what, what, what do we recognize here? Where did their fear come from? Their fear came from, it wasn't just that their experience in the boat wasn't enough. Actually, they had taken responsibility for something which Jesus never gave them responsibility for. What was that? Getting to the other side. Nowhere does Jesus say, right, fellas, I would really love to preach over there because I kind of feel that's what my father's leading me to. Is there any, the only way I can get there is like, you've got to make it happen because I could probably walk. <laughs> you know, that's the thing with being Jesus. He probably just gone, you know what? <laughs> Leave it there, I'll walk across. That's a joke. It's not a joke, it's actually true. Some of you are going, how could, see if you're sitting there going, how could he do that? You might want to read your Bibles. That's all I'm saying, right? Okay. But it's, you know, so, so what we see here is that, you know, if we take on responsibility for stuff that was never ours in the first place, can I say your provision, God is your source. Be, a, be generous in your giving, Okay. If you don't tithe, learn a revelation from the Lord what tithing means and why you should do it. Because don't come and say, grace, 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 if you can't go to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you with the least, which is my money. Amen? Oh, don't be giving me that. Just tell me Jesus. This is how God blesses you, right? That's the way that it works. You will live frustrated and disappointed with God, but you can't hold on by going, it's all right, I'm gonna get myself through in terms of provision, And the Lord says, let it go. Everything you give here on earth, I receive in heaven, right? Remember this stuff? Maybe I need to teach, to help people again. And you're not just given on earth. Everything you give on earth is received in heaven. And what does he give us back? He gives us the blessing of the finished work of Jesus. You're not buying it. That's not what it means. It's our position of trust, right? As an example, if you take the weight of responsibility on for your provision into your future, you're always going to live afraid and you're always going to live in lack. And, you, and, and honestly, that's the truth of it. I need to help some people with that this morning. It doesn't, it, it doesn't work any other way. It's like, yeah, there's, there's lots of areas. So fear that you, that you live with, right? It, if, you're, if, if we take a money example, because it's a biggie in the world right now, because no one's switching on their gas, are they? I'm going to have to chop up trees. I'm going to go down the greenway in the middle of the night, <laughs> chop up trees, 
and light a big bony in my <laughs> Come around to our house, we're having a bony every night from now until the end of March, all right? <laughs> There's not, there not going to be a tree in the greenway by the time I'm finished with it. We have a friend who used to do that, he used to go down at night and chop anyway. Chop. Christian, is, Christian as well. <laughs> Never paid for a bag of coal in his life, right? I'll tell you who it is afterwards if you come and ask me. <laughs> so so that, that fear that we live with is, number one, a lack of knowledge or a lack of revelation about who God says about us. Or secondly, we assume responsibility for what is God's responsibility. How do we know that? What did Jesus say at the start of this story? Let us cross over. We skip over this, don't, don't we? Why do you think that Jesus said that? What did he not say? He didn't say, let's take our chances. He didn't say, look, take a whack at it, fellas. He's have done this boat thing before. Let me in. You know how to drive a boat. Let's hope that we get there. Why was that? Because when Jesus said, let us cross over, in his mind and his heart, he was already at the destination. For him, it was sure and it was certain. Jesus didn't have thoughts about sinking, no matter what came their way. That was why he was able to be in the middle of the storm at perfect rest. It was not just that he was a heavy sleeper. Jeremiah 1.12 says this, You have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Can I tell you something this morning? Why would you live in fear? Because if God has spoken a word over your life, a promise over your life, he is watching over the word that he spoke over you. Why? So that it will be performed. In God's mind, his word of grace over you is non-negotiable. Do you get that? The only thing that robs us of the flow of God's grace in our life is what? Is self. Galatians chapter four. The more you step into it by driving your boat, the more grace takes a back seat in your life. Do you understand that? Because it's, 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 it's the two things where the Lord, it's that you need to go and read your Bibles. Galatians tells, tells you all about this. Why would you, the thing that will come against you all the time is take responsibility for yourself. Take it onto your own shoulders. And whenever, as Pastor Prince says, whenever you go to work, the Lord says he rests. But if you will rest and receive what he has, then he goes to work in your life. Do you get that? I love that. So in the mind of God today, whatever you're afraid of, he's already said, it's done. His heart, the way he sees you now is on the other side of it. He sees you fully fit. He sees you healthy. He sees you blessed. He sees you provided for. He sees you walking in to grace upon grace every day of your life. He sees your family around you. He sees you seeing out your best days in front of you, standing together in the house of God with your hands in the air, worshiping the King of Kings. That's what he sees. That's how he looks at you. Why? Because whenever he spoke the word of grace over you, he now stands in the middle of the storm, watching over it to perform it in your life. Amen. That's why, that's why we, why would we take responsibility for that which the King of Kings says, I will take responsibility for. You know, if we're not, you know, if you're not really confident and not living from a heart revelation, right, then you're going to live in fear. If we don't trust that God will be good to his word, you know, Man, it's, it's just tough. We just go round in circles. I'm okay for five more minutes. I know I've kind of gone over. Am I? Well, I'm, I'm going anyway. So you know what? I was kind of pretending to ask you, but I wasn't really. All right. If you've got a chicken in the oven, it's going to be roasted. All right. But nothing you can do about it. All right. 
This is, I, love, I love Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he doesn't, he doesn't lie. He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? I think that's the transition, folks, for us. We want to be a people who, whenever Jesus said in John 19, it is finished, it is done. I believe that the only antidote for fear, right, is, is to look at that promise every single, whatever the promise is over the area of your life, is to say, it's done. It's finished and it's done. He has done it. Every single morning, whatever it is, all right, if you don't fill that place in that heart, that place in your heart with the truth of God's grace, then the only thing that can live in it is fear. Understand that whatever it is, he's right in the middle of it with you. He's not condemning you, but he's drawing you close to sit at his feet and receive. The Lord's never left you and he never will. He'll never judge you again. He was judged for you. Do you know what's really interesting? I just want to say this last thing. He didn't rebuke them, right? Sometimes people read this and if you go back, you go, Oh, you have little faith. It's like he was telling them off. Like, why'd you wake me up? Almost grumpy. You know, they're like, <laughs> and he's laughing. You know, like sometimes when people wake you up, not me, I've heard this about other people, and you're sort of sleepy, <laughs> and you go, Flip, what are you doing? Why'd you do that? You know? If that's you, well, whatever, right? What did he do? He didn't rebuke them. When he says, You have little faith, I've explained that before. Okay, I don't want to go into it. But what does he do? He rebukes not them, but he rebukes what's coming against them with his word. Isn't that brilliant? Oh, he said, oh, come on. That's just, like, the Lord's not rebuking you. He's rebuking that which comes against you with the power of his word. And that's what we need to do. You might feel totally underqualified. You might feel undeserving. You might feel overwhelmed. But grace speaks the promise of God, the truth of God. And at that, when grace was spoken into the storm, it led them to being calm and at rest. That's what happened. The enemy's going to come at you this week with accusation. He's going to tell you about your past. He's going to tell you about your present. He's going to remind you of all your frailties. He's going to tell you about all your weaknesses. He's going to tell you, he's going to plant seeds of doubt, even about the word that's been spoken into your life for today and tomorrow. But one thing that you can be sure of, irrespective of where you are, this incredible word of God's grace, is that you can expect the storm to calm right, as you stand on the promise of God. Why? Because when you stand and you face the storm, all that is exposed is your lack. When he faces the storm, it bows to his knee. Amen? That's what grace does when it meets fear. Has that been helpful this morning? Okay. Grace looks at the storm and says, his word's secure, his love is higher, his love is stronger, greater than anything that will ever come against you. I said last week in Isaiah 26, verse three, just to finish, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. He leans on you and he hopes confidently in you. Close your eyes for one minute. Can we have some sound there? Worship team, if you want to get ready, please.
Just close your eyes for one second. I'm going to pray. Father, lift, Holy Spirit, lift the heavy weight of fear off of every heart, off of every mind, off of every person, every family. In Jesus' name, right now we pray. Father, thank you that you are the one who is more than able to stand in every piece of our lives and to calm every storm. I pray that truth over every heart right now. I pray it over every husband, every wife, every man, every woman, every child, over every business, over every situation from health and sickness, provision, future, anxiety, every mental health condition, every physical condition, every disappointment. I pray right now for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to heal you, to hold you, whatever it is. And he says to you, do not be afraid. Father, thank you this week for the revelation that whenever we just experience that emotion, it's because we're experiencing a gap between where we are and what we want to happen or need to happen. Father, in that space, I pray that our hearts would turn to you. Our hearts would turn to your grace and to your word. Father, that we would see in that moment the God who is not bowed by the storm, who says, you're already, in my view, Jesus says over you, you're already at the other side, you're at the destination. So if it's health, the Lord says, it's done. I have made you healthy. That's where I see you. If it's provision, the Lord says, I have already provided for you. Now come, let your heart be at rest. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying you should try harder. I'm not saying I need anything from you other than that posture of trust. Because we will not live in fear. Why would we fear when the king of kings says, let's go to the other side? Let's go to the other side. So Jesus, I pray over every heart. And if you need the Lord to minister into your heart right now, you don't need to come to the front. You don't need that. Just even put your hand out in front of you. Just rest it on your lap and say, Jesus, I might be up and down right now. I might be all over the place, but I receive your grace. I receive your comfort. I receive your ministry, Holy Spirit. Deep, deep, deep into me, Lord, into the place where I need it most. I thank you that's where you go. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry in this place, for your love in this place, for comforting in this place. If there's a situation in your life where you go, is this ever going to change? The Lord's speaking to you right now and going, you start, you speak and see what you believe is that thing fixed one of the things that the enemy does to rob us of hope that confident expectation of God's goodness is to whisper in our ear almost on a loop it's never going to change this is the way that it is don't get your hopes up you're stuck this is what your life's going to look like this is it there's no more than this this is your lot 
And the Lord wants to step right through that this morning and say, lift your head up and see me. You've got to the other side. He's the God of the other side. I pray that over you right now in Jesus' name. Every fear to lift. Every piece of condemnation to lift. And for the spirit of grace to fill your hearts. The spirit of grace to fill your mind. Jesus, thank you for your finished work this morning. We take our communion. We take this in our hands. If you've got your communion stuff, take it. I love, uh, for those of you, um, communion's not just a, you know, why don't we stand up? You've been sitting for too long. Get up on your feet. And we're going to take communion together. We believe that there's power in communion. There's power in communion to make you fit and healthy and well. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been taught by religion that says, don't take this in a, you know, you have to be worthy, right? Okay, what that means is, you know, it's not that you have to repent of every single sin, before you can ever take communion, because quite frankly, you can't do that. Because sin is not what you do, it's who you were, and Jesus dealt with that. And he said, I've made you a new creation and a saint, you're perfected forever. As he is, so are you, First John 4. Okay, so it's not about that. Being worthy means you look at Jesus and you say, thank you, all right? That's what it means to be worthy when you take communion, is to go, because you're worthy, so am I. So, Father, we thank you for your body broken. We eat, Lord, into every body right now, every mind right now. I speak health and wholeness in Jesus' name. Amen. And, Father, we take the cup. Lord, and we thank you that because your blood was poured out for us, Lord, we um, know, Lord, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Every curse over your life has been broken. You know that? Every single curse. There is nothing of any debt that you owe to God at all. It's all been taken care of by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. He loves you with a perfect love and a complete love. And when you take communion today, you remind yourself that because of his blood poured out, you are free indeed. You are righteous. That means just, daikasune means totally acceptable to God. Amen? So we drink, Lord, and we say thank you.